Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, the Addicted, and the Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. Every day I get to help women rise and find their own healing despite their circumstances. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. If you're looking for just betrayal topics, catch me on my former podcast where there are four years of golden content, all for free at your fingertips. All right, let's do this. Hello, hello. I am excited to share with you an expert on a topic that many of you have asked about that I really know nothing about. So (laughs) I have uh, Dr. Shaima Matthews, who is an OBGYN and uh, a minimally invasive gynecologic uh, surgeon and certified menopause specialist. She's a mother and a wife herself. And so her goal is to help women of all ages maintain their own quality of life while keeping up with the day-to-day needs of their families and careers. And what I love is her practice emphasizes the importance of patient education and empowerment to make the best possible decisions for themselves and their bodies. It's honestly one thing that I hear a lot is that women are having procedures done or entering this phase of life and they really don't know what information they should have. And maybe there is a lot of things left out. So I love that you are focusing on that and that you're here today to help me know more. (laughs) because I will enter that stage at some point and to help our audience understand maybe what, what is normal or common and when to maybe see a doctor. So welcome. Thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for having me. So I would love to hear what made this, this focus on being a certified in menopausal. What, where did that come from? So Um, in OBGYN training, we do a residency in four years and there's very little time spent on menopause management. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, you spend a lot of your residency managing pregnancy, the obstetric side of things. And a lot of the other things are sort of topics covered in lectures, maybe, um, few and far between with very little like real time, you know, exposure to patients and, and counseling and guidance. I really got most of my training and education about menopause. Interestingly, when I did my fellowship in minimally invasive GYN surgery, um, and I think that was really mostly because since it was GYN focused and I wasn't really spending any time doing the obstetrics piece of it, I could really dive into all of the other areas of GYN that, you know, really deserve some attention. So menopause, chronic pelvic pain, uh, painful sex, um, all these other, you know, hormonal conditions like PCOS, endometriosis, fibroids. So those are the things that I really love because I feel like not enough attention is paid to them. And I feel like um, a lot of people are kind of left in the dark about these conditions. So menopause is a huge one. Yeah. And here I am with really no information. (laughs) I'm 43 years old, so I'm well on my way. And and I'll be really honest, I only started tracking my cycle and really understanding my body probably six years ago. It was just, I didn't know what was going on with my body. I didn't track my emotions, my physical changes. 
And then when I started doing that and really understanding that I'm not just cycling when I'm bleeding, it's all month long and all year long, my life really changed a lot. And so I've focused a lot on that. And yet I know that this is somewhere I also need to be educated as I'm approaching it. And so for someone like me, my audience is uh, around my age and younger, and some are in this stage. Where do we even start? Yeah, I know it's really difficult. It's overwhelming. Um, and you're right. It's not necessarily something that uh, we are prepared for either by our clinicians or even by like women in our community, because there is so much sort of gray area and it's not really discussed and, you know, nobody really talks about it. Um, but we should, we, I think just like you've noticed that paying attention to your cycle and like knowing, you know, what to expect really helped you kind of get through that time. Like that's the same thing. Perimenopause and menopause can be pretty unpredictable, but if you know what could be coming down the pike and then actually, you know, being able to connect those dots, it actually takes away a lot of the fear, um, and the sort of unknown aspect of it, which I think causes a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. Well, and do you think that, you know, we hear, I would say I hear a lot more negativity around entering this stage of life because of what you said, it's unpredictable. And, uh, I have to say one, I've had a lady come to, uh, my, I'd host retreats for women. And so it's, you know, when you get a lot around a lot of women, sometimes we cycle up and we start to, uh, well, I don't even know the word. We we hone in on each other. And, yeah, yeah. and so this beautiful woman had not had her bleed for over a year. And she is in that menopausal stage. And she's like, or pre, I guess, perimenopause. And she got her period the last day of the retreat. And she said, is it just <laughs> being around all these women where it just finally is coming out? And it's just so unpredictable and yeah. hard to track. And so... I hear a lot of that. Yes. And, and yet they're, they're hearing about, okay, we're supposed to be educated on our own bodies and tracking things, but how on earth do we track it? If it's a year in between or, you know, these long, long cycles. Right. So let's, we'll talk about some basics, right? So menopause by definition, we is that transition is one full year of not getting a period. The perimenopause is all the years kind of leading up to it. And it can start five to seven years before actual menopause. Mm. So average age of menopause um, is about 51. So really we're talking about, you know, mid to early 40s, some women start experiencing some of these changes. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean that your cycles become erratic. They can be, but other people, they'll continue to cycle, but they'll start noticing some of the other hormone fluctuations, some of the other symptoms tied to menopause. Um, but when you track your cycle and you know what, what is, you know, has been normal for you, that's when you can start actually noticing, oh yeah, I did skip that month. Um, yeah, actually it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a few weeks beyond my cycle is getting shorter. It's getting longer. I'm not bleeding as many days or I'm bleeding more days. So these subtle changes that start to happen, you'll be able to pay attention to those. So I, I'm a huge fan of tracking cycles for many reasons, just like you described. And then, you know, paying attention to that, you know, through the perimenopause um, years and, and the menopause. So with menopause, we all t- think about it as a drop in estrogen, right? And, and mm. progesterone, like our hormones really sort of just, you know, completely plummet. But the thing is, in the years leading up to it, it's a bit of a roller coaster. So it's very much up and down. It's not predictable. Um, so that's affecting a lot of things about our bodies and our minds, right? Like, so knowing that that 
can all be related actually often eases people, you know, when it comes to understanding menopause. Okay. So a great place to start is to be tracking so that we <laughs> could even be aware that something is changing. Yes. Um, and then, so we start noticing maybe the shifts, like you're saying, maybe emotional, mental, physical, and that would be a time to come and see a doctor like yourself. Yes. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's a good time to discuss that with your clinician. It could be your primary care doctor. It could be your gynecologist. It could be a nurse practitioner, whoever is managing your health and kind of explaining these things. And, and, you know, you have data, right? You have now you have information like, Hey, I I've been tracking my cycle. This is what it was. This is what's been going on for the last six months or so. Like, it seems like something's changing you know, what do you think this is related to? And, and could it be, you know, perimenopause, menopause? Um, it's often good to get some other blood work and labs and assessments checked, right? Like there are other hormone fluctuations that can happen around the same time are thyroid changes. So sometimes I will check hormone levels just to see what's going on there. But I caution people that checking like estrogen levels isn't necessarily accurate because they do fluctuate quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So they can look, you know, one way, one day and then another day look completely different. <laughs> so you can't quite rely on that as much as one would think um, okay. to, to diagnose it, but you can use it as a clue. Like some, sometimes it does give you a hint of, yeah, it does seem like they're kind of, you know, trending in that perimenopause range, um, even though it might not stay there consistently, it could fluctuate, you know, quite a bit still. Oh, okay. So we start tracking, we're going to possibly get blood work done, see our clinician and figure those things out. I'm hearing a lot of women who say it's affecting my sex life mm -hmm. and whether it's, I've lost all my drive. You know, we go through that stage of we're in our prime, in our forties, a lot of women, and yeah. then it drops. And so it's, it's affecting relationships. Mm -hmm. And then you said, we're kind of more erratic with things. So how do we even approach that? Yeah, that's, that's a big one. And I, and I probably, I spent a lot of time talking about this one actually. So, um, there's a lot of reasons for it. You know, first thing to understand is that, you know, um, arousal, um, libido, all of these things are quite complex and it's not just physical or hormonal, there's a lot of other components to it, right? Like there's a psychological level to it. There's a mental, emotional connection issues. So all of these things have to kind of line up. And when you are going through so much uncertainty and shifts um, and you're stressed about it and, you know, and you, you know, you're at the peak in many different ways, right? It could be with your relationship, with your families, with your career as well. So there's a lot of stressors there as well. Um, and then emotionally things might be up and down as well. If you're feeling more anxious or, or more down than usual, because again, hormone fluctuations can cause that, um, sleep can often be affected by the hormone changes of menopause. So that too can play into, you know, um, just in general, your willingness to be intimate and aroused and, mm -hmm. and, and spending the time and, and energy there, um, prioritizing it. Right. So there's all of these other aspects as well. The first thing I often will focus on, particularly in perimenopause and menopause, is, is it comfortable? You know, is there any pain associated with it? Because mm -hmm. I truly, truly believe sex should never be painful. So if it is, that's one of the things that we could be correcting and focusing on right away. Um, that in and of itself often deters people from being intimate. As soon as it becomes uncomfortable and they don't know how to address it, 
they try to push through it. And then next thing you know, it's a cascade into a bigger problem of, of really not wanting it because we don't want anything that is going to be painful or uncomfortable, right? And distressing. Um, so right there, that that in and of itself turns off arousal and, and yeah. libido, right? So there's that whole aspect of it. It's and and so you have to kind of I, I kind of try to figure out like which aspect is is influencing what. And mm-hmm. often I'll start with the physical and say, let's fix that first. And then look at all these other things and see how we can, you know, figure out like what's going on there to pay more attention to this. Okay. And so I, again, said, I really don't know anything about this. So when you say painful sex Mm -hmm. and you can help them physically, what does that even mean? So the, the vaginal walls, the the vaginal mucosa, the vulva, the lips, the outside, the clitoral hood, all of those tissues are incredibly estrogen dependent. So when our estrogen levels start to drop, start to fluctuate, a lot of the times those tissues are what suffer. Um, and everyone's different. Sometimes that's the first thing that shows up and other times it's the last thing that shows up. Um, but what happens is those tissues become incredibly fragile. They become thinner, they're less elastic. They're not providing as much lubrication. Um, so there's more friction. Um, there's more irritation. It's sort of abrasive, right? So all of those things make it more uncomfortable, make it more painful potentially. Um, and that also, again, triggers then your pelvic floor to sort of tighten up and brace because you're sort of bracing for the discomfort. And then that too sets mm. off a whole thing, right? Like, so you have to, you have to understand that it's, it starts with dryness, right? That's like a very yeah. basic word to describe it, but it, it cascades into all of these other areas mm-hmm. of, of that discomfort being really, you know, um, difficult to overcome. Mm. Um, so that's why it's so important that I, and I say like, you know, if it's, if it's painful, pay attention. Why is it painful? What's going on? Like, don't let that just kind of worsen. Don't let that sort of linger too long before paying attention to it. Um, and so there are, you know, there's a quite a few ways that we can actually kind of address that. Okay. Uh, I love this because I don't know if it's a generalized statement, it probably is, but I find that as women, myself included, I don't want to call the doctor. Mm-hmm. I will just tough it out. And yeah. uh, why? I don't know why, but we do it. And so uh, it's encouraging to, I think, and empowering to say, you know what, I'm going to go to the doctor for myself because I enjoy sex and I want to and en- keep enjoying it rather than living with the pain or shutting things down. So exactly. you have said um, that personal lubricant uh, should be as, as essential as your skincare. Yeah. <laughs> right. I yes. love it. Yes. Because I feel like, so I'm a medical advisor for a female sexual wellness company. Right. And the reason I got involved with them is because they created a product called playground. That's the name of the company and their lubricants that they designed were actually designed for women by women to actually be able to, you know, not disrupt our natural hemostasis, right? Our, our normal environment. We don't want things that are going to make things uh, feel off afterwards or mm. irritated or burning. We want things that, you know, products that are actually good quality, clean. They're not, you know, they don't contain um, irritants and um, sulfates and parabens and these things that we don't want to introduce into our body, right? So like just as, as much care or, um, you know, discernment you would put into picking out like a skincare regimen, you should be doing the same for your lubrication, for your lubricant, 
And the other piece of it is that I think lubricant comes with a real negative connotation because most of the time people kind of feel like, oh, if I need a lubricant, something is wrong, mm. right? So either mm. like you yourself as a woman feel that way or your partner feels that way. Like there's this negative connotation that like, well, why why do you need a lubricant if, if you're attracted to me, if, if yes. you know, the sex is good, if everything is great, like, you know, and again, we're sort of like, we're sort of forced into like pretending everything's okay mm. because we don't want to hurt feelings. I don't, I mean, like, yes. you know what I mean? As opposed to like paying attention to it. Um, so really making it kind of a norm and there's nothing wrong with it because it's actually at many different points in our life where lubrication can be important. So perimenopause, menopause is a big one, but many times after having children, um, on certain medications, like those can dry us out birth control, even sometimes. So like, there's a lot of points in time where, you know, you're often not as, you know, easily lubricated or moist as you could be or want to be. And so how do you encourage that process, right? How do you not allow that to hinder your, your ability to be intimate? Um, So that's where you kind of have to kind of treat it like a, it should be part of your normal care, like your self care, right? Yeah. And just part of the actual sexual experience, right? Of just, this is what we use and this is what we do. And it's not a big deal. Right. Uh, I like that. I also think, and you know, I'm experiencing it in different ways as I age, the grief of aging and my body not performing as I'm used to or showing up how I want to. And so I can imagine that there's a lot of that that happens and it's maybe a a longer process because it is sporadic and, and life-changing, I think in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's also part of it, right? So Yes, we can work on the lubrication aspects of it. There's lubricants, there's other products, there's even prescription, you know, local vaginal estrogen creams that you can use to help boost the estrogen locally to that tissue. So there's ways to correct that physical piece of it. But that's where I mentioned that there's all these other aspects that we really have to pay attention to. Like, you're you're not wrong that that, you know, the way you're feeling about your body aging, um, how you how you feel in your body, right, your confidence. Um, somewhat changes at that time for a lot of women too. And again, it doesn't have to be negative, but I think there's such a negative spin on it mm-hmm. that we're, we all are almost resigned to it being a negative thing when it doesn't have to be. It's just mm-hmm. that it's a different phase in one's life. Our body is now behaving differently a little bit. So we have to get to know it. We have to figure yeah. out what works for us, right? So that's another aspect too, like the anatomy changes a little bit. So maybe the things that you know, felt good or allowed Mm. us to climax before change. Maybe something's different. Maybe we should start exploring that again. Right. So there are other things there too, besides, you know, the kind of the confidence piece of it, but also anatomically that we may have to revisit and kind of figure out, you know, what works for you now. Mm, I like that because I, I would imagine that people would feel a little broken maybe if like you said, climax has always been a certain way or ways, and then Mm -hmm. it's not working that way. And Mm -hmm. maybe you're reframing it and it's exciting. You get to still explore and grow your sexual experience with a partner. I want to stay myself and, Mm -hmm. and still grow and be close to my partner. My body is shifting and changing. So I'm dealing with physical changes. I'm dealing with maybe some emotional changes and So it might not even just be, I'm going to go see my clinician. It might also be, 
I need to talk to some friends or I'm going to maybe start seeing a therapist if it gets so dark and, and lonely for yourself where you don't maybe feel like yourself. And I think both ways we can get stuck in, I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to be different Mm -hmm. and I feel so alone. So I love the idea of women just being open with it in a Mm -hmm. more shared way rather than the mainstream, I'm going through this or I'm going through menopause. I remember my own mother going through it and it was a lot of negativity because that's all she, I mean, she was sharing the hard, hard parts of it. Right. 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 And to see her in pain, to see her going through this, these shifts and the roller coaster of emotion and not really understand what is happening to my mom. Right. And so I really, that is my education is what I got to see from my mom. And now as I see my friends, who are stepping into that and just seeing how different they're approaching it. Right. With different pieces of a puzzle instead of it's just this is what we do. We go to the doctor and we take some medicine or a patch and then that's it. And it's gonna be painful and I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think there what you're sharing is that there is more. There is more options now. And totally. the way we can approach it can be a softer and more gentler way. Um, I have a friend, her Instagram and blog is called the vagina blog. And Mm -hmm. she is a sex educator. And she shared just last week at my retreat, how women are stepping out of their regular cycles and into menopause and they're celebrating and more and mourning that because we go from, we are these creators and we get to bring life into the world and, whether we do or not, we still are that vessel. And right. when that shifts and we go into that menopause state, it's something to be honored. And I really loved that idea. I don't know if you're seeing that or hearing about it in your work, but there's just so many stages we get to go through as women right. that we just shift and we don't necessarily celebrate. Right. And I myself never celebrated, like I'm done having children. And what does that even look like? Right. Right. And you're absolutely right. The, there is that, um, yes, honoring it, celebrating it, kind of bringing it to light in a positive way, I think is really that shift that we're starting to see now. Um, even just surrounding intimacy and sexuality, right? Like, so how often is it just like the normal connotation that after menopause, like women just don't want to have sex anymore. Mm. Right. And then we, we don't want to think about it. We don't want it. It's just not something that we're interested in, but that doesn't have to be the case. And that's definitely not true for most women. Right. But, but it's almost expected and it's the way it's the language surrounding it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when certain, you know, women would speak to their providers about it, they would almost get that. Well, this is what it is, you know, kind of just deal with it, yeah. you know, um, and never really get to know any solutions when that shouldn't be the case, right? Like we should be able to say, yeah, right. Our childbearing years are over. And now here we are, we are still women. We're still strong. You know, we're still, we are still in the prime of now, like the way that our like life existence is right. How much longer we're living, how much healthier we are, all these things, like you're still so active and so, you know, Mm -hmm. alive and you're, 
probably in some of the best phases of your relationships and you can embrace all of that. And that shouldn't be a negative and that shouldn't be just a, that door's closed. We can't, you know, we can't talk about that. That's shameful. It's weird. It's strange that you would want to, it, that, that's all, there's all these strange, like negative connotations surrounding it when you're right, it should be celebrated. It should be honored and something that you, you know, could potentially be looking forward to. Um, mm. It just may take a little bit of a different approach because again, our bodies are different and what we need and what, what, you know, what we uh, could use is a little bit different. So we kind of have to adjust to that, but being mindful of it and, you know, kind of going into that with that sort of open approach, I think is really what's helpful. Mm, I love this. And I have a question for you. How mm-hmm. often do you see partners come in and be educated at the same time? Uh, not as often as I'd hope. <laughs> um, I will say though, a lot of a lot of women will share that their partners are supportive and like, you know, don't, don't want them to um, feel like they have to push through their, their, their concerned about how they're feeling in the moment, you know what I mean? And they're trying to explore other ways to be intimate or, or connect mm-hmm. um, without putting that pressure on them. And so actually it's women coming being like, I, I want to be intimate, but you know, he, he's, or, or she's being so sensitive to how I'm feeling that we're trying to navigate this and actually mm. being open about it and talking about it is really helpful because yeah. I think if they know what you're going through or like trying to understand, Hey, things are a little different and yeah. it's, it's changing. My body's changing and this is what's happening. It doesn't mean that, you know, you know, life is over for us <laughs> or anything. Mm. It just means that we may have to figure some new stuff out and mm. that can be fun. And that could be sort of a new adventure. And if you're in it together, like it's a little bit, you know, easier to bear as opposed to this shameful secret kind yes. of, you know, approach, right? Like that, that used to be sort of the common thing. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm relating it to how I've experienced uh, just including my partner in my cycle yeah. and explaining the different weeks of the month and what they mean to me and how I show up physically and emotionally, it has drastically changed how we get along and how he can show up. And he, so he was more educated, you know, slowly educated over the last couple of years, but he went to this lecture that I had at my retreat. And after that of really understanding how a woman's body is and the, the things that are common rather than what the world is telling us. Yes. He has shown up like the, the prince that everyone wants, like treat me like right. a princess. And it's so <laughs> loving. And I thought, why didn't I do this sooner? Right. Why is it just an us thing that we have to get educated right. and why not include a partner? And so I love the idea of let's do this together. We may even have more free time at that stage (laughs) of life to say, let's go together and and experience these shifts and reframe into what it's going to look like for us as a couple, rather than it's just a me thing. I I think when we do things alone, especially our healthcare, it does feel lonely sometimes. And uh, I, for myself, I know I feel like something's wrong with me and I fit into what mainstream society has told me I should fit into rather than, you know, I like having someone there to have a voice for with me, for me when I'm maybe in a little bit of shock or I don't know the right questions to ask or even what the doctor just said. Right. Yes, absolutely. Having that person sort of support you through it is so valuable. 
Um, and you're right. I think we could do a better job of, you know, preparing mm. our partners and that, that can start, that can start early, right? I think we need to change the narrative around women's health and cycles and, you know, hormone changes and all that from a very, it should be from a very young age, right? I feel like, again, from a very young age, girls feel like they're all alone in it too. And that, you know, it's shameful and it's something that they have to like hide and, you know, you can't openly discuss. And I'm, and I'm starting to hear that that's changing a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that that just kind of grows and you can only imagine if that's the case, what they will be experiencing yeah. when they're going through this transition, right? Because it's going to be so different because hopefully, you know, the men out there also will have some idea of, yeah, this is, this is, this is what happens. I understand it. Um, I want to, you know, be more mindful of this personal experience too, but it's not like a total shocker um, yes. as far as what's going on. <laughs> yes. um, it's not this like mystery, this one, you know, women's mystery kind of thing mm-hmm. that, that is sort of, you know, kind of um, just not, not talked about. Yeah. And I think taking it personal, right. We can, mm-hmm. like yeah. you said, the dryness, all these things where what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. it, it just, it, it, I think sounds more cohesive to try to be educated together as yeah, a couple. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And you mentioned, and you touched on it a, a couple of times about the emotional changes mm-hmm. and that too, I feel like, you know, I, I have people coming, I feel like I'm going crazy. Mm. I'm like, you're not going crazy. <laughs> your hormones are just fluctuating and y- you know, your body is just having a hard time dealing with it. And it's yeah. like, you were able to handle whatever, you know, stressors came your way before, because most women are, tr- are trying to be super women all the time. And here you are, these hormones are starting to fluctuate and your coping mechanism sort of just goes down the drain and you're like (laughs) overwhelmed all of a sudden, you know, and anxiety is there and depression is there and it's sort of fluctuating and it it does, it feels very out of control for a lot of people who, you know, really count on being in control, right, for themselves and for their families and in their careers, like it's so much and to lose that is very, um, it's, uh, it's difficult. It, it really kind of shakes your foundation a bit. So even just hearing that that's not abnormal and there's nothing yes. wrong with you and that's totally okay. And you're not the only one dealing with that and we can get through this. There are ways yeah. to help you through this, right? Therapy, medications, whatever it is, but you don't have to feel like you have to, you know, suffer in silence yeah. when this is happening. Tough it out. <laughs> no yeah. toughing it out. Let's not do that. Yeah. It doesn't Ugh. help anyone. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Okay. Any last words to the audience on how they can best approach this for themselves and with a partner? Um, so like I said, I love educating people on this. I love, you know, being able to talk to people about this. And so my, you know, biggest advice is often just finding a supportive clinician, whether it's, you know, having a therapist who's guiding you through this, or a medical provider who's willing to answer your questions and asking you the questions too, mm-hmm. um, and not making you feel bad about wanting to talk about menopause or, you know, mood swings or sex. Like that shouldn't be something that is that anyone is making you feel like you're wasting their time to bring up. It's important, right? They should that should be part of the focus of the visit. Um, so finding the the right people to to kind of talk to about that, and then. And also talking to each other about it too, being, you know, sort of open about the experience. Okay, great. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Where can my audience find you? 
Um, so I'm on Instagram. It's Dr. Matthews, Dr. Matthews GYN. And my website as well is uh, www.drmatthewsgyn.com. Um, and also on the Hello playground.com website, there is an office hours with Dr. Sharma section as well, where we're answering questions about vaginal health. Great. Okay. <laughs> I'll put all of that information in the show notes. So you can just sure. click right now and go directly to go and follow and find and get all your questions answered that I did not ask here. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking the time to help me be more educated and the audience. I think we all need it. And we all want to feel like we're not crazy and we're normal. So thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here with me today. Whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes. Or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the buffalo.